Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. It's rare that I have a Hall of Famer on my show, but today is an exception. Ira Wolf, welcome to the show. Hey, great to see you, Michael, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. It was great that we uh, briefly connected. Seems like years ago, but it was only a few months ago um, at a conference that you were speaking at and I was speaking at. So uh, it's been an interesting few years. So I, for those that don't know you, why don't you share a little bit about you and then we'll dive into our conversation. Sure. And uh, how far back you want to go? As, <laughs> as far back as you want, you know, it's up to you. So, no, it's a pleasure to be here. And thanks again. Um, they, I have a company, uh, Voice for the Future. Um, I, I've always been focused on uh, future work uh, through many different means. Uh, and uh, most people kind of know me by as the millennial and the baby boomer body, which encompasses a lot of themes. Uh, including, uh, you know, what we're talking about living in the never normal. It's not only about the future of work, but how do you adapt to it? How do you change to it? And how do you change? Uh, that's certainly your theme. A lot of people are struggling, you know, with being, being able to do that. Um, but, um, you know, I've, I've written a number of books, as you mentioned, uh, you know, one of my, one of my new books is about creating a great culture in a, in a remote world, but we talked about recruiting in the age of Googleization. I've talked about geek skeezers and Googleization. Uh, so through my, my 28 years that I've been doing this particular business, um, it's all been about what the future is going to look like and, and how we can be our best selves during that time. It's important work, and especially over these last few years with the pandemic and remote work and hybrid work, and we're not sure what kind of work we're going to be doing. Uh, there's a lot of people that are scratching their heads, and you know the people that I've talked to, I, I, I tell them, okay, you know, try something, and if you need to, write it in pencil because you can always erase and you can change it, but don't just stay frozen. Just do something and and communicate with your your customers and your clients and your team and and talk it out and see what's on the minds of everybody because every organization can be different when it comes to remote work. I the one struggle that I do have with organizations is when they say remote work won't work, although they've been doing it for two plus years. And it's like, mm, why? And then you want to dig deeper. So yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that because I think when people say it, it won't work for our company anymore, they need to display why other than they're just not comfortable seeing people in the office. I'm just curious, you know, what are some of the findings that you've been discovering? Yeah, you made two great comments there. And one is I want to roll it back a, a few, uh, maybe about a minute. Uh, when you said that uh, we, we need to look at the future with the pencil and, and an eraser, not with a pen. And, and that, you know, that really, uh, it's a great ma metaphor. I'll probably use that again. Thanks. Uh, but, but it really describes the growth mindset. I mean, you know, we've lived so long. Uh, so many people had, you know, great careers. Uh, you went to college. You got a job, you moved up through vertically through an organization, uh, you retired and, and that was, that was the span. Uh, and, you know, that, but that sort of fit that what we call a fixed mindset is that, you know, people, you know, define their education, they define their limits. Oh, I'm good at this or I'm good at that. Or, I'm not good at math. I'm not good at science. I'm not good at selling. I'm not good with people. And therefore they, they picked their lane and they stayed in it. 
And because progress moves, although people have always said it moved too fast, it moves slow enough that you could have 30 years in a career or or 40 years in a career and still have that same job title or career path. Um, and that's evaporated. That that's gone away. Um, so we we all need to learn how to basically, I guess, set our goals and define our future with the pencil and an eraser, not with the pen. So I love that. So that was a perfect setup. Um, but and that fits into where we're headed with remote work. Uh, you you mentioned that we, we many companies had, uh, I guess, trial and error. They, they, they experimented is the word I'm looking for, uh, with remote work for two years. And now it's three years. It's actually, we're approaching the third year anniversary of when we went into lockdown and quarantine. So it's, it's been about three years. But if you look back, companies have used, had remote work, although only 2% of the workforce was, uh, telecommuting or, or working remotely. We never really defined sales forces as working remote, but most sales forces, they might've had an office in a corporate building, but they never were there. If you walked into a sales department, there might've been some insights, basically the people that were inside and, and in person were the account managers uh, or they were the administration staff, but the salespeople have been remote for years. They've always been remote. They've been on the road. And so to say that remote work doesn't work, it, you know, is, is just silly. I mean, it's just an inane um, kind of vacuumless argument. Now, there is some truth that remote work is going to be a challenge for certain positions. Uh, and in reality, based on the technology that we have today, only about 40% of all jobs can be remote. We still, you know, until we get the drones, until we get the autonomous vehicles, we're still going to depend on UPS and, and, and FedEx and Amazon for our deliveries. Uh, there, there are many, many healthcare positions that some can be done remote. Uh, even surgeries can be done remote. But as far as in general, they need to be done in person. Um, we have an aging population. We have a lot of home health, home aides. They need to be done in person. We still need to draw blood and do things, um, do diagnostics in person. So there are, there are many, many things, many, many jobs that still must be done in person. There's no, so when we're talking about remote work, we're talking about 40% of 40 to 50% of all jobs. Now, out of that, it's pretty remarkable that I mentioned the 2% that in 2019, only 2% of all CEOs and, and of the workforce, and also 2% of the workforce was remote. As of 20, as of last year, 2022, uh, about 20% was still 100% remote, but that's still a tenfold increase in just those two years. And if you look at the employers, the employers are saying, hey, we want to go back. We were going to bring everybody back to work because it's really tough to, to define a, a culture, to manage these people. The reverse side is the, it's, it's the, the employers, the employees, the workers are, are 
70% to 80% are saying, we don't want to, we're not coming back to work. If you bring us back to work full time, we're willing to come back if there's an important meeting. We still value socializing. We still like to have a, 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 a company that we can call home. We'll come in once a quarter. But no, we're not going to commute five days a week or four days a week or three days a week. And, you know, that fits in your theme. I mean, that just is what what led to burnout and stress and and is also costly. There was just a survey done. And I apologize. I don't remember the source of it, but they they calculated the cost of in-person work versus remote work. And it was double. But companies weren't compensating for that. So even if it comes down to, yes, I'd like to go into the office maybe five days a week, but maybe three days a week, and I'm, I'll be fine with that. But you need to pay me for that. You need to pay me more because I didn't realize how much money I was spending on, on, on fuel, on parking, on um, tolls, on food. Um, and so, you know, companies that are smart that are that are attracting people back into the in, in into work even a few days a week are compensating people for the additional costs of going to work now that ultimately doesn't give you back the hour or two hours every day you spend in traffic and people and the longer this is gone we're talking we're coming up on our third year anniversary of this the longer it's gone people got accustomed to being with their family being with their kids to getting hobbies, getting to the gym uh, at six o'clock, not at nine o'clock, or not being so tired that they couldn't do that. So it's going to be a tough toll for companies who say we're going to go back to 100% in person. Um, but the, we're still between that in person and that 100% remote, 100% in person, 100% remote. There is an unlimited an infinite number of variations that are coming up of how to make that work. So um, I think we need to really focus more on hybrid. What's the hybrid work environment, but that's going to take, that's also going to take a shift because it's hard. It's, it, it, anybody who's done it. Um, I, I haven't, I don't have a big workforce, but I have, I teach a class, a master's class uh, in organizational change. And we met sometimes in person and sometimes remote. Never had a hundred percent attendance in person. Somebody was sick. Somebody was traveling. Something came up. Somebody got stuck. Uh, whatever it was, teaching, teaching or managing hybrid is very challenging. And Kate Lister, who's a good friend of ours and colleague, and anybody that wants to to look up some great research. Um, you know, go to Workforce Global Analytics uh, and, and or just type in Kate Lister and she'll show up. She did. She had a great segment on one of our uh, one of our podcasts. And she said the problem with remote work isn't where you work. It's not location. It's management. We need to be, we need to become better managers of people. And you can have an excellent hybrid remote culture. But it's not, you need to manage in a different way. You need to create relationships in a different way, creating a relationship through a screen, um, doing it uh, digitally. Is, is it more challenging? Uh, I wouldn't even say it's more challenging. Is it different? Yeah, it's absolutely different, but it's possible. 
yeah, in re- remote work, one of the challenges that you know, I haven't seen a lot of talk about, but it makes a ton of sense is for many of the employees that have been working remotely, you know, that never worked before, that was a big adjustment. Yes, the cost savings and, you know, you can add in car payments or lease payments, your insurance cost, you know, fuel cost, all of that stuff. You could easily be spending a thousand dollars a month out of pocket by owning a car and, you know, if you live in an area that has decent transit, then, you know, maybe you can negotiate and navigate around that. But in many places in the U.S. and rural America, there isn't a transit system. So you need a car in order to commute to work. So it's a necessary cost. So it's good to see organizations are, are factoring that in. But one of the things that I, I, I think a lot of people struggle with, not just management, which you know, I focus on a lot, but is the actual employee. They didn't know how to work remotely. And all of a sudden, what's Zoom? Okay, I got to go buy a camera. How much is it on Amazon? You know, and they they started because I remember I was going to upgrade my camera. You know, at, at the beginning of the pandemic, and a camera that was normally I think one hundred and eighty dollars was five hundred dollars easy. And I'm like, whoo, should have bought that in February when I thought about it. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of people, even to this day, are still kind of fumbling around how to manage their time. Because working in an office or working at your workplace physically there is definitely different than when you're working remote or at home. You know, the nuances are different. Even if you have the money and you can set up a home office and get it to be as replicated as possible in a work environment, it's different. A lot of the management falls on the employee to make sure that they manage their time. And, you know, one of the struggles we saw early on, especially when the kids were all home and they weren't going to school because they were being homeschooled was people started to realize, waiting, my kids are going to school the same time that I work. How's that going to work? And well, we found out it didn't. So a lot of people were working real early in the morning or late at night. But again, these were things that a lot of people struggled with. And, you know, to go back to your point about managing differently, it is. And, you know, managing in an in-person thing, there's the physical nuances. You can pop by and see if things are going okay, or you have a quick question. It's literally, you walk over, you know, what should we do on this particular angle? Okay, do this, 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 done. You know, it's a 15-second or 20-second conversation. If it's a Zoom call, then you got to connect that, or if you're using Slack messaging or whatever type of system you use, there's a time delay. Time delays add up which lengthens the amount of time it takes you to do work. Now we've seen studies, you know, that productivity was at or maybe a little bit above what it was. And there's there's reasons for that. You know, one of the things that and you know this and I know this too and I think our listeners understand this as well is when you look at a stat and you see the number, okay, what made that up? What were the variables in there because we can easily release a statistic and say this and this but you know what is it like you know the stat you know that you know almost 100% of hr people have identified as being burned out I'm like okay mm-hmm. what you know what you know what what are some of the reasons what are some of the things that they're saying that's causing them to burn out what what is it and it, it hasn't been easy for for hr because we've had to deal with new rules and regulations and how do we you know hire people without ever never seeing them you know i i spoke at a conference last fall and they had a in-service session, and it was for an insurance organization, and there were roughly 80 people in the room. 
60 of those 80 people had never met the ownership or the management before in person. They were all hired during the pandemic because they had a, a big boom as far as an organization. So they're meeting each other for the first time. And they've been working together for you know maybe a year, year and a half. It was just a weird dynamic to see that. It felt more like a family reunion than anything in the session. But again, there's so many different variables and factors that are going into this. So when a CEO or an HR leader or an employee is saying, well, you know, what are we going to do about it? You know, what should it look like? I, I don't know. And I, that's sometimes that is a very uncomfortable answer to give from a management standpoint. But quite frankly, it's probably the best one to give as you're navigating through these trial and error messages and challenges that we're facing. There's, there's a lot of irony in, in what you just shared. Uh, if we if we roll back going back three years, so how do you create this culture remotely um, that that people didn't didn't meet management for that whole time? That was the first time they actually met them. But if we go back to and I'm sure you participated in many of these webinars early on in in the first year, I'd say of the pandemic, the the CEOs or the leaders, and it didn't necessarily have to be CEO, but the leaders in organizations, even the managers there was a level of transparency and authenticity that of, of being at home, having a team meeting or a company meeting, whatever it might be. And in the background, your cat, your dog jumps up on the table, on your desk, uh, your, your kids, your grandkids dodge into the room. And in the past, that was unheard of. It's like, you know, that's why we don't work remote. That's why we don't do these. It's just, you know, you can't have your family and your pets and everybody distract. It's just distracting. And the, 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 the leaders who got it understood that that meant they were human beings, that they weren't sitting in the C-suite and, you know, on the 15th floor uh, uh, separated from all their employees. They had a life and you got to see where they lived and what their office looked like. And there were people working off of beds and in closets uh, and on stairwells. And it, 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 it created a level of transparency and authenticity, which build, which is fundamental to building trust. And those organizations got it. And they were able to, to either build or, or at minimum sustain a culture or sometimes improve their culture. Um, and then it went, then it went away. It's like, okay, the pandemic's over, which is not, but the pandemic's over and everybody, we're going to go back to the way it was. And there are certain, there are many organizations that said, Hey, we, we were able to create this environment. We still have work to do and we lean, lean, and, and we need to depend on some technology, but we need to train the people. We need to get everybody comfortable. And yes, we still need to socialize. We need to bring people back together. We need to have those meetings and do certain things in, per, in person because certain activities are still better in person and only because people aren't comfortable using the technology. So can you strategic plan? Can you vision? Can you brainstorm using on using going through Zoom? The answer is absolutely yes. There's some really fantastic, spectacular tools that allow you to do that, maybe even better than doing it in person. But either the managers don't know how to use it or the people haven't been trained how to use it and there's a discomfort. So there's a learning curve there. 
Um, but it all can be done. But it's just, it's just unbelievable that people have had that just point blank say it, you can't create a culture if everybody's dispersed. And that's just not true because there's companies that are doing it. Is it more difficult? Uh, yeah, only because we don't know how to do it. It's the first that you were forced to do it. Uh, you mentioned technology. Absolutely. And part of the problem is now is most people probably, even if they have a smartphone, they have at least a basic technology to do that. But bandwidth or broad, you know, broadband's not universal. I mean, there's still people working off wireless with one bar. Um, there are certain, you know, it's it, to, to basically upgrade your wireless. Or, or your uh, your broadband service. Uh, sometimes it's not available in that area. Sometimes people, it's more expensive. Companies need to, to to fund that. So we, depending on the locations, depending on the industry, depending on the type of business, depending on what you're trying to use, um, we still need to build our infrastructure, and and that's a limitation. But and and the the infrastructure may limit our ability to work. Work remote or hybrid, but it doesn't mean that remote and hybrid can't work. And and so companies need to invest. There's a company that's that really there's a cybersecurity company that focuses a lot on the digital employee experience. Ivanti, uh, it's called. They have a, an excellent white paper. It's I V A N T I, and they've done a lot of research and and this is really important for organizations because it's not only are companies going to lose top talent some of their good people because they do demand they do have a mandate that you have to be back in the office uh five days a week or four days a week whatever it might be but it's the digital experience is why 25 percent one out of four employees left their organizations because of a bad digital experience. So even if they're only they're working they're in the office 3 days a week and they're they're working remote 2 days a week. If that experience is is, is a struggle. That's a problem. Um because people are willing to leave or be disenfranchised, disenchanted um by, by struggling with the technology. So um you know we we remarkably did well. I mean, one of the things that people say is, is that we hate this technology and Zoom's, you know, we don't like Zoom and, and working remote and Slack and all this stuff is just not human. You know, it's taking the human out of the workforce. What's remarkable is, is that on March 2020, when we went remote, without technology, think about this. If we rolled the clock back 10 years, and it was 2010. We didn't have Zoom. We didn't have the broadband that we still have a long way to go, but we didn't have the broadband that we had. We were still operating. Most people were on 2G or maybe 3G, even wireless. Um, what the outcome would have been? I mean, it would have been devastating because either more people would have been out of work or more people would have had to go to work despite the, the, the pandemic. And so we would have more illness, more dis more sickness, more death, uh, more hospitalizations, more morbidities. Uh, and the fact that it, it happened at a time when technology was available 
And we were able to make that shift overnight. And so the whole story is quite remarkable, although people are pointing the finger at technology doesn't work and remote work doesn't work and hybrid work doesn't work. And and it absolutely it, it absolutely does. And there's no putting this genie back in the bottle and the toothpaste back in the bottle. Um, it, it, it's going to be here for, for you know, and, and continue to grow over time. Um, and also just one last word, um, labor shortages. I mean, I know everybody thinks, oh, the pandemic caused it, or it's because of the millennials and the Gen Z doesn't want to work. There's just not enough human bodies. Um, our working age population is the lowest ratio it's ever been. Uh, male participation rate is low, which needs to be fixed. Um, we now have almost as many people over 60 years old as we do under 18. Um, there's there's just a, a flat out quantity of people, not quantity, not quantity of people who are motivated to work, a quantity of people, just a quantity of people that can fill jobs. Uh, and that's going to continue for the next, uh, unless, and this opens up a whole political can of worms, unless we op not open the borders, but unless we have a better immigration plan. Uh, there's no quick fix because even if everybody goes out and starts to have bigger families, it's going to be 18 years until they're eligible workers. So it's not an overnight fix. So we're we're faced with this situation for a long time. And if employees say, "Hey, we want to we want to work," you know, we're willing to come in the office, but yeah, for you know four or five days a week, we want to work remote, and their companies are going to have to figure it out. Yeah, it's important too. And you know, there was so many you know, people that were close to or at retirement age that retired. You know, I know a lot of people that, you know, after the pandemic started, they looked at things as like, you know what, within a year, why not? I'm enjoying this. I'm going to retire a little bit early. Okay. Yeah. My, my take home for my retirement might be a little lower, but you know, I've, I've consolidated costs. I'm good. So you had massive departures in that aspect, you know, of course, factor in, you know, that, you know, millions of people, you know, unfortunately passed away um, through COVID or COVID related matters or because of cancer, because they couldn't get the treatments and time, you know, all there's a laundry list of things that you can read up on, on, you know, that. And then mm -hmm. of course, just it, you know, the, the changing workforce, as far as the type of work people do, it's, we're out of alignment at, at the moment. And like you said, there's just not enough people. And I agree with you. I'm in, in you know, I'm in, Toronto right now where, you know, one, our country over the last 25 years or so has had a very strong immigration policy and they've actually, you know, are earmarking to you know, try to bring in more people because the government recognizes a few things. One, we have a labor shortage. Two, we also have a tax base shortage based on the demands <laughs> that society needs as far as infrastructure, roads, healthcare, all the things that are covered through our taxes. Like we don't have enough people contributing to cover that. So we need more people. So there has to do that. And I, I think in time, we just need, we need to look at, you know, the types of roles that are needed. You know, we, we know that there's a lot of automation coming into play and a lot of people I know fight that, but there's also creativity. And, you know, I always implore people, you know, when they're looking to study, you know, going to college, university trades, things like that. It's like, you know, future look as much as you can, Find something that you enjoy. Don't worry. You can change your mind. That's what we do now. Uh, you don't have to worry about the 30-year gold watch 
mechanism anymore. Um, there's still people that do it, but as you said early on, it's like that's not normality anymore. So in this situation where people need to find the roles and employers need to create the roles where they can bring in and retain the best people because you and I both work in the HR space. We know how much it can cost to replace somebody. And it's not just their salary. It's workflow, it's benefits, it's culture, it's customers, you name it. Um, so you want to create environments where people can thrive and do their best work in an environment that they feel they make a contribution, that they are heard. And you can do that remotely or in person or somewhere in between. Well, and, and you brought up a great example, and we can go down another rabbit hole, but, um, I, you know, my first career, I was a dentist, which always shocks people. It's like, how did you get into this? And, you know, I did it for 18 years, and when I, the, the, the day that I announced it, that I was leaving, and I was selling my practice, and I was only in my 40s uh, when I did that, uh, and I, I spoke about it in my TED Talk. I loved everything about dentistry, but dentistry. I loved running the business. But ultimately is that people defined the roles when we were growing up at, by the job title. It's like if you were a teacher, you were a dentist, you were an attorney, or you were a machinist, you were a welder. That's what you did. That was your job. And if you lost that, there was nothing else you can possibly do. And I, I didn't necessarily recognize this when I did it, but I always had the confidence that um, I ran a business um, I was, I built it, you know, I, I managed people. I built a team. Um, I was a good marketer. I focused on customer service. Those were skills that are transferable. It didn't matter what I did. It didn't matter if I was filling and drilling or building buildings or consulting in HR is what do we talk about? We talk about team building. We talk about leadership. We talk about customer service. We talk about marketing. Um, we talk about visioning strategy. We talk about all those things and that's what I did. So the only thing that I changed when I left was I put down my drill and walked out the door and started another business. Now there was a lot of, there's a big gap in there. That doesn't mean you just can do it, but that's the focus we need to. That's the one of the biggest changes is, and whether it's through education, whether it's through parenting, uh, whether, you know, whether it's through management or leadership, uh, there's an excellent, excellent report that just came out, uh, by, uh, Burning Glass Institute. And they, they, they did a study and they looked at the in-demand skills of the future, but they did, they went one step further. They didn't always look at the in-demand skills. They looked at the skill sets. Uh, and the one example that stuck out was web developer. So many people for, you know, for, I mean, I've had a, I had a company website for 25 years. So at one time, that was a unique field. You had to learn how to program, but now it's automated. I mean, technology took it over. You can go to Wix, you can go to Squarespace, you can, you know, there's many, many easy ways to build a web developer. So the future for web developers is not there, except that doesn't mean they're out of work unless they have that, that closed mindset. The skill sets that they have are also the skill sets that could be used for uh, UX and uh, UX and UI. So uh, the user inter uh, user experience and user interface, uh, which is a is a high demand job, higher pay, higher skills, more opportunities, more growth, uh, and they have the basics to be able to do a better a higher job. 
So they looked at some of the in-demand, you know, some of the future, and they looked at AI and machine learning okay, at the highest level. But there are many, many roles today that no matter what your job title was or what your education was, you learned basic skills that could be grown and, and um, added to uh, to move up into those roles. And both employers need to recognize the people that have those basic skills. Uh, educational institutions need to recognize that. And parents need to recognize that. That just because you're, you know, you're not good at math doesn't mean that you can't do certain jobs. Um, that, and what, you know, that you may need to learn some math. Um, but, you know, maybe you're not good at, multi, at, at speaking or writing or, uh, managing or, Re- building relationships with people. Um, but there's some people that have natural abilities to do these things and they fit multiple pathways. Uh, you know, in the past, if you were good with people, oh, you need to go in sales or customer service. If you're good in numbers, you go to accounting uh, and engineering. And that's just not true today. And uh, we need to look at the people who have the basic skills for the jobs that we need in the future. And as you said, there's no harm in changing jobs. Um, I've done it and many other people have done it. Uh, and we need to continually just be evolving. But there's, there's, there's a lot of shift that's going to go on. We're just in the beginning of this journey. Um, and, you know, as I call the, the future, uh, the present and the future, it's going to be never normal. And, and people are going to have to learn how to uh, to adapt to that. But uh, there are so many opportunities for growth um, and and success and and the ability to thrive and to make a good living. Um, but people just have to stop tripping over their own feet, and they manage. And businesses have to stop making, you know, just bad decisions. One other thing, I just want to say, we we go back. We missed this, and I was thinking of this before. People say that remote culture doesn't work or it's, or comp- you can't have a good company culture remotely. Well, for 30 years, Gallup's been measuring engagement in the workforce and 30, only 30% of people have been engaged previously. 70% have been disengaged. That's not a really good track record to say, look, we have the, we have the, the formula. We have the recipe for a great culture and remote work screwed it up. No, you didn't. We have this, we have the same complaints in, in remote work as you did in person. We don't get respect from our managers. We don't have a good relationship from our managers. Uh, we don't get recognized. We don't have growth opportunities. Um, pay always shows up somewhere because people want to be compensated fairly, but it's net, it's still not at the top of the prior. Everybody puts it at the top, but it's not why people leave. Um, so ultimately, the same problems exist for many companies with an in-person workforce as they do with the remote workforce. It's just easy to point gaslight and point the finger at remote work. But frankly, you didn't have a hat that you didn't have um, a stand to hang your hat on previously because most companies weren't doing a very good job um, with engaging their people and helping them live a fulfilling life and a meaningful life. Uh, and, you know, they just, they were, they basically just had collared them in with pay and compensation and, and healthcare benefits. And if they left, they would lose them. Um, 
it, it was fragile to, before and it just got exposed. And that's exactly it. I, two things in closing, uh, everybody never stopped learning. And number two, for organizations, you know, work on that engagement, figure out what motivates your employees, create that environment where they can thrive and shine and you'll see magic happen. So I would love this conversation. Where can people find out more about you and all the amazing work you do? Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, it, it was fascinating. There's so much more to talk about. So hopefully we can continue this sometime. Uh, easiest way, you can just type in my name, Ira Wolf, W-O-L-F-E, uh, into Google. Uh, you can go to my website, irawolf.com. And uh, you can also go to Adaptability Toolkit, so where we provide, we talk a lot about a lot of tools organizations and individuals can use, adaptabilitytoolkit.com. It's awesome. And I'll definitely have that in the show notes. So Ira, always good talking with you, brother. Really appreciate you and all the work that you're doing. Yeah. Have a great year. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.